Welcome to the Mountain Brook Baptist Church podcast. We pray that this message will help you in your walk with Christ. Our current sermon series is Gearing Up for a Fantastic Fall. The title of Dr. Dorch's sermon is Start with the Basics. The big idea is believing in Jesus is the only place from which we can plan on experiencing the best measure of God's favor. This morning I begin a new sermon series titled Gearing Up for a Fantastic Fall. And when I first developed the text and the titles and, and the idea for this sermon series as we move toward September, I was of the mind that we are past COVID and we are all ready for a wonderful fall together. And in these recent weeks, recent days, I should say, I've been reminded of uh, how little I know about what lies around the corner. And for that matter, none of us knows what lies around the corner. And I was thinking to myself, I don't know if this sermon series fits anymore. And as I've prayed about it, thought about it, I've come to the conclusion now more than ever, now more than ever, people of faith need to look toward the days ahead with every measure of anticipation and encouragement and joy. So together we gear up in the face of all that is before us now for what we believe God will be doing in the days and the weeks and the months and the years that are to come. Today we'll begin with the basics and as you have your Bibles I invite you to turn with me to the book of Acts the 16th chapter and I'll begin reading with the 25th verse, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It was about midnight. Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken at once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. And the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. And the jailer called for lights, he rushed in and fell trembling trembling before Paul and Silas, he then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he 
and his whole family. May God add his blessings to this, the reading of his word. In recent weeks, as you know, cruise ships have been out on the open waters and passengers have been flocking to the ships. We'll see if that trend continues, but as we see the ships back on the waters and the passengers returning, I was reminded of a story that I heard years ago of one captain of such a cruise ship who was held in awe by all of the members on the ship. The manner in which this captain was able to pilot this large vessel. They were so taken, so impressed. But there was one thing, one thing that the captain did every single morning that puzzled the crew. Before he would move up to the bridge, the place where he would bark the orders and command the ship, he would go into his office and he would take a key that was on a little nail on the side of his desk and he would unlock his desk. He would pull out a lockbox. He would then proceed to unlock the lockbox. Out of the lockbox, he would take this folded piece of fading paper. He would read it, fold it back up, put it back into the lockbox, lock the lockbox, put it in the desk, lock the desk, and then go to the bridge every day, every day. And none of his officers understood why he did this. Well, one day... Captain retired. It was his last day on the ship. And as he was leaving the ship and all of his mates were saluting his departure, as soon as he left the ship, you know what those mates did. They knew where the key was. They knew where the key was. They rushed to his office. They took the key. They unlocked the desk. They pulled out the lockbox. They unlocked the lockbox. They took out the folded piece of fading paper. You can imagine how breathless they were as they were about to read the wisdom that had guided their captain all of those many years. Imagine their surprise when the paper read, port is left, starboard is right. Basic information. Port this way. Starboard this way. Despite his years of experience, the captain understood that it's best to begin each day by returning to the basics. I think of that story and I wonder how many mishaps in life might have been avoided if only people had kept before them the basics, the basics. But, but you know what happens, you know what happens. As 
Some of you know so painfully what tends to happen. We get a little experience in life. We feel good about ourselves. We know that there are some fundamental truths that guide us in whatever we are about. And we think to ourselves, oh, I'll never forget those things. But somehow other things cause us not to remember the basics. And before we know it, we have found ourselves in treacherous waters, no matter what aspect of life you're talking about you business people you business people know you better not forget the basics music music there are basics to music that you simply cannot afford to let slip sports there are basics that you must always remember Academics, you're about to start, many of you are, a new school year, and isn't it uncanny how often you draw from things that you learned, not just last year or the year before, but long, long ago, whenever we find ourselves, regardless of where you are in life, unable to hit your stride. It's always, always a good thing to go back to the basics. So what is basic to us? What is basic to us as people of faith? The answer to that all-important question lies in the story that I have read for you this morning from the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. You know the story of Acts, the advance of the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. And by the 16th chapter, that's beginning to take place. The gospel is advancing. At one point, Christianity was essentially a sidebar movement of Judaism. Most early Christians had grown up Jews. But suddenly, the Holy Spirit begins to work in remarkable ways. And there's an Ethiopian eunuch who knows enough of the scriptures and respects the scriptures enough that he's reading the scriptures so that when Philip comes to him, Philip is able to answer his questions about what he is reading and he's baptized, he comes to faith in Jesus Christ. There's the wonderful story of Cornelius, the Roman centurion, in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. He is a God-fearer as well both the eunuch and Cornelius have a somewhat basic understanding of God. But in the 16th chapter, there is a dramatic shift. A Philippian jailer who has no connection whatsoever with Judaism comes to a saving knowledge of Jesus along with everyone in his household 
And from that moment on, you get the impression the good news of Jesus is, in fact, advancing to the uttermost parts of the earth. How, how did this jailer come to be connected with the gospel story of Jesus Christ? Well, it all stems back to Paul, the great apostle, and a vision that Paul had while he was still in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, a vision where he heard someone from across the Aegean bidding him to come and to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And Paul felt led to answer that call. He takes Silas with him. They cross the Aegean Sea, and the first major city that they come to is the city of Philippi, prominent Roman colony. And as was Paul's usual practice, Silas and he looked to find a place of prayer, not just any place where they can pray, as we will come to discover, you can pray anywhere, even in a Philippian dungeon. No, no, they're looking for a place where Jewish citizens and those who are respectful of Jewish beliefs gather to pray to God. It was Paul's practice again to begin with that population to proclaim to them the good news of Jesus, we come to discover that Lydia comes to a saving knowledge of Jesus. And we come to discover something else, that along the way as Paul and Silas are moving through Philippi, there is a slave girl who tells fortunes. She is possessed by a spirit. And this ability that she has to tell fortunes is making big bucks big bucks for her owners. But Paul is perturbed at this girl who is following. He turns, he silences the spirit. No more telling the future. No more money to her financial backers. They're incensed. They take Paul and Silas before the magistrate, the local authorities. They charge them with creating turmoil in the city. It's hit them where they hurt, in their pocketbooks. But it doesn't matter. Paul and Silas are thrown into the Philippian city jail, which is a dungeon that's been carved out of rock to incarcerate the most hardened criminals, Paul and Silas, languishing in prison, fettered, chained. But instead of ruining their fate and complaining of the injustice of it all, what do Paul and Silas do? They pray and they sing, they sing, they sing hymns of praise to God even 
as the clock is about to strike midnight, Paul and Silas are trusting their situation to God and God responds in the most dramatic way in a region that is known for earthquakes. A violent one happens. The very foundations of the prison are shaken. The doors fly open. The fetters and the chains on the prisoners fall loose. It's not all that's shaken. The text tells us that the jailer, the Philippian jailer, whose only responsibility it is to guard those prisoners, assumes that with this earthquake, the prisoners are all gone. He knows what that means. It is a basic principle for those who watch over prisoners. Prisoners escape its own you. It matters not. It matters not they escaped because of a natural occurrence, an earthquake. If they're out, it's on you. And so the jailer, in a culture of shame and honor, assumes that he also must do what is the honorable thing. He is prepared to take his own life because he knows that if he does not, his superiors will take his life from him. And just as about he is about to do the deed, he hears the sound of good news from the very bowels of the dungeon, coming from the place where the Jewish prisoners were singing. It's Paul, it's Paul who's shouting, don't harm yourself, we're all here, don't do it, the jailer calls for lights, he rushes in, he brings Paul and Silas out into the open air and asks of them the most basic question and the most important one that he has ever posed to a prisoner in his life. Sirs, sirs, he prays, what must I do to be saved? Now, to be honest, to be totally transparent. At the time, this jailer was not asking that question in a theological sense. He didn't know anything about Judaism. God, the creator of the universe, he was a Roman. He he believed that The gods were capricious and arbitrary and there was no purpose or plan, no rhyme or reason. He wasn't asking the question from a theological standpoint. He just somehow had connected the fact that these two Jewish prisoners singing to their God had in some way been responsible for this earthquake. And he wanted to know if there was any way that these prisoners might help him out of the mess that he had not created. And Paul, never one to miss an opportunity, always ready 
to walk through every open door God provided to proclaim the good news of Jesus, Paul replied, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And therein, therein lies the core, the basic foundation upon which our faith is founded and formed. Is it all the truth? Of course not. It's not all the truth. But it's the beginning point of the truth. You have to understand, Paul was responding to an opportunity that had come about in the midst of an emergency situation. He didn't have the time to go into detail as to all that is required to follow Jesus. That was to come later because as the text tells us, the jailer brought Paul and Silas to his home and Paul and Silas proclaimed the word of the Lord to them so that everyone in the house believed and was baptized. That was to come later, but here was the place where Paul began. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe, that's, that's not head knowledge. It's not believing about Jesus. This Philippian jailer, he knew nothing about what it meant to believe into something. He did understand duty and commitment and dedication. Remember, he was about to take his own life. So the connection between believe, trust yourself to something wasn't completely foreign to him. Believe on the Lord Jesus. Lordship he knew throughout the Roman Empire. Common confession, Caesar is Lord. Here come Christians saying Caesar is not Lord. Jesus, the Messiah, is Lord. Now the jailer is confronted with the possibility that there's somebody else in control of this world. Someone else besides Caesar. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Most, most rescue stories are transitory. They're impermanent. You may, you, may be, you may be spared some distress today, but tomorrow is another day and something else could be coming around the corner. But the salvation about which Paul and Silas spoke to the Philippian jailer had to do with the assurance and the security that when you trust yourself to the lordship of Jesus, the authority of Jesus, Jesus brings to bear the authority of God over every circumstance and every situation, both today, tomorrow, and forevermore. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Now, Does that exposition of the core principle of our faith align with what's in your heart? 
Do you know Jesus? I'm not asking you if you know about Jesus. How can you grow up in the southern part of these United States of America and not know about Jesus? That's not what I'm asking. Do you know Jesus? Have you yielded yourself to him, to his authority? Have you developed a relationship with Jesus so that regardless of what tomorrow holds, you know that your life is in divine hands. Boy, we make Christian faith so complicated. Harder than it really should be. We get bogged down in theology and eschatology and ecclesiology and countless other ologies when the simple truth of Christian faith is that when you trust your life to Jesus. Jesus brings to bear the authority of God upon every circumstance and situation you encounter. How hard is that? How hard is that? I, I've shared with you how one, one of one of the inspiring people in my life has been Fred Craddock, the preaching professor. For years taught over in Atlanta, Emory. Grew up in Oklahoma. Grew up in a small town. And last week I had a great, it was my glad privilege to be back home and to be able to be a part of a church that shaped and formed and fashioned me. And Craddock grew up in a small town in Oklahoma. And you know, the wonderful thing about a small town, some of you are from small towns. Mount Brook ain't that big. You know everybody, and everybody knows you, and that's the good thing. Now, the challenging thing is, you know everybody, and everybody knows you, and it's easy to get a reputation that's hard to live down, okay? You get that? Craddock tells the story of his small town in Oklahoma and one young boy in particular who developed the, relation, uh, the reputation of being slow-minded. Heard that expression before? Slow-minded. Not hitting on all cylinders. Not capable of grasping things that are obvious to everyone else, slow-minded. See, this boy was the most slow-minded kid. He'd believe, he'd believe anything anyone told him. Hey, they're giving watermelons down at the courthouse. Off he'd go to the courthouse to see if he could get him a watermelon. There weren't any watermelons being given away at the courthouse. We're not going to be having school. Next week, school building burned down. Oh, that's terrible. I'm so sad. I love going to school and seeing all my friends and classmates. President of the United States is coming to our little town next week. Really, really, where is he going to be? I'm going to get there as early as I can. He'd believe it all, all, hook, line, and sinker. Craddock says, one day an evangelist came to our small town, preached at the church, 
talked about God's love for everybody. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die for your sins. If you trust in Jesus, God will forgive you of your sins. Be with you every step of the way. At the end of the service, they gave the invitation. Craddock said, that slow-minded boy came down front and believed in Jesus as his Savior and Lord. Craddock said, we called him slow-minded. But now I'm not so sure. No one knows anyone's heart other than his or her own. God does. But what we can know, and I trust what you know, is so very basic. That when you trust your life to Jesus, Jesus brings to bear the authority of God. Upon every circumstance and situation in your life, especially the distressing ones. And it sure does seem that we're about to enter some distressing times. May have to navigate uncharted waters. We think we've gone through this stretch of high seas, but... With these variants, it's always a new deal. Hazards are everywhere. That's what they're telling us, and I have no reason to doubt the experts. I trust them. But as we travel through those uncharted waters where hazards are everywhere, we don't have anything to fear. Not if we trust the situation to Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus. And you will be saved. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, we thank you for the good news of the gospel that frees us from everything that would bind and chain us, most of which is our sin, that which we have brought about because of our desire to live our own way by our own understanding instead of trusting our way to you. Forgive us that slow-mindedness and slow-heartedness. Remind us that the fear of you, our Lord and God, is the beginning of wisdom. We pray, Lord, that as we trust what is before us today and whatever may be before us tomorrow, we may greet it with all of the assurance and confidence and joy that only faith in Jesus provides. 
So we pray in his name and for our sakes. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is a hymn of response, number 588. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. This morning, if you're here and been a part of this experience of worship and you've never believed in Jesus, you've never trusted yourself to him, never allowed him to be what he wills to be in you, your Savior and your Lord. Today, as we sing this hymn, you can make that commitment. Share it with us publicly. We'd be so very happy to talk with you about how you began to live for Jesus with believers' baptism. But it takes that first step of response that no one can make for you. You have to make that for yourself. You get to make that for yourself. Most of us remember that time. I trust in the Greek, believe on the Lord Jesus. The tense of the verb indicates there must be in every believer's life a decisive moment when you can look back and you can say that's where it began. For me as a nine-year-old boy at First Baptist Church of Chickasaw, standing before the gathered congregation, I believe, Dr. Barker, I believe in Jesus. There must be a moment when you can say, that's where it started. And then when you cling to that moment, never forget it. Port is left, starboard is, you know you're left from your right and how to move forward into the good future that God wants you to know. And I pray this morning, you, you have that confidence and that assurance. And if, and if you don't, you need to remember your first love. And as we sing this hymn, you can reclaim it. If you're looking for a part, a church to be a part of, a, a place where people anticipate what God has in store for them in the days ahead, and in spite of the distress, we're singing and we're sharing and we're praising God. God has helped you to see this is the place where you need to invest yourself and continue to grow in your faith. However, God may be speaking now. This is the opportunity for you to respond. Thank you so much for joining us today. We pray that today's message brought you hope as we continue to love God and live with grace and generosity. Be sure to check back here for more podcasts. And as always, Go out and do the Lord's good work. Mm -hmm.